Hi, Internet. Welcome to Unboxing Story, the place where we explore narrative from the fringes. My name's Shanta Matos. And this is Melissa Matos. And I keep saying her last name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it. To, I'll get him to correct it at some point. <laughs> he'll, he'll stop saying it wrong. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to go over uh, all of the works of Taylor Sheridan, who's one of our new favorite writers. Um, it's, it's very odd for a screenwriter to get this much uh, produced in so short a time. Um, it started with Sicario in 2015, and then uh, the next year, uh, Hell or High Water, um, the next year, Wind River, and now recently we, we saw Sicario Day of the Soldado, which I didn't realize is soldier yeah. in Spanish. In the first one, they defined what right. Sicario was for us third-generation Spanish speakers that no five words because we sl- I'm, I'm a little <laughs> I have a little bit of baggage from that um, the fact that I don't recognize some of these words offhand um, well Sicario is a, a weird one I don't think most people would recognize that no yeah that's, which is why they just they you know but most people have heard Solalo I think um, maybe maybe not unless they unless they didn't pay attention in didn't pay attention in Spanish class at all uh, I I I have a couple um, things that uh, struck me about this writer. Every once in a while, there comes along a writer that hits uh, a chord with you for whatever reason. And one of the things that I like about uh, this guy is that violence have like weight in the, the movies that he does. Um, I think because we're used to bigger budget um, spectacle movies we're used to violence being something that just happens and then you move on and um, a lot of the and we kind of discussed how there have been these kind of patriarchal um, movies where like Liam Neeson will just kill millions of people <laughs> it seems in like an hour and a half and the the it's just like this guy is the good guy so we can call these people and it doesn't matter and um it I think it's a rare per, it's a rare writer and director team and it, it seems like based on this list that it, part of the magic was his teaming with uh Denis Villeneuve because uh I think that you can't really say that that was just his writing but we can discuss that more when we discuss so did he not direct the second one no, it was um, Stefano Salima, who was an uh, Italian director. Um, but I, so that we'll, we'll get into like the seeing his writing without him having that kind of star, you know, because I, I'm in love with everything Villeneuve puts out as well. Um, Most of it. Um, what, what, what did he do? There was no, I mean, I was just saying. We li- I liked the second Sicario better. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you said that. But I don't know that that's necessarily the director's fault, although it might be, considering um, that's what the, ma- the major thing that changed. So, yeah, so the, the, but to, to kind of wrap up, um, seems like he, ta- he, at the same time, has themes that he's dealing with where it's like violence is cyclical. And I think in the first Sicario, you, you get that really well from... The idea that there's this character who feels like violence took away his everything that he loves, and yet because you're following that one cop character, who 
something happens to let's do that um, give away spoilers but the idea is that like it it Self, characters self perpetuates yeah and so you you do have like that um, that these characters have very believable and you're you are sympathetic to them and you do kind of like ask yourself about these questions of like what where, where, where is justice and um, you know you do feel for Benicio del Toro's character who is um, for all intents and purposes a hitman um, for hire but you know he has this kind of vendetta that's specific to him um, but at the same time you have this whole like thing of like what what good is it if he's um, doing all these things that are just as horrible as what were done to him um, and so uh, I, I like the fact that he he's bringing these like very classic like western type things to the screen mm-hmm. uh, but that, that are also very thought provoking and right. um, have these like bigger ideas of you know masculinity because I think in like Hell or High Water, you get Jeff Bridges as this like. Um, both of those characters are very kind of like macho, and you know they're always like mocking each other the whole time. But then at the end, you see how much he cares about his partner, and you know um, you see like the the humanity of these characters that is behind these kind of like exterior things. So it's, he's very he understands. Um, human nature uh, and and uh, the complexity of people. I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. His ability to humanize certain characters. Mm-hmm. Because I noticed in both of them and in Hell or High Water, people that would normally in an action movie just kind of be the villain mm-hmm. or show up at random points to get shot by the good guy. In his stories are people that you see parallel like you see their story parallel to the main character's stories so like in the first one it was that policeman in the second one it was that young guy mm-hmm. so you see what's going on in their lives to lead up to that big confrontation right and it's not just oh I favor definitely this guy over this guy it's like I really don't want either of them to do this right now mm-hmm. I mean I understand why this is happening but you feel that both of them are human and both of them have good sides to them. Uh-huh. Right. I guess is how you could put that. Yeah. Or are fighting at least to have a good side. Right. To them. Mm. So, yeah, I really do. Like, that's that's one thing I really, really enjoy about the writer is that he is able to make them human, make them right. relatable. Yeah. And I think that, the, you know, sometimes with a movie, it's, it's hard to tell because it's such a collaborative medium that... You know, if you say you you love Benicio del Toro like we do, but let's let's give that caveat right off the bat yes. because <laughs> there's a movie, there's a VHS that we had growing up. Uh, it's a movie called Excess Baggage, and I, I was just watching uh, Benicio del Toro on Stephen Colbert, oh, yeah. and he listed a bunch of movies, starting with uh, Che Che, which is based on the life of Che Guevara. Um, and he played the title role. And then he talked about Traffic, which I'd never seen, uh, whereas he plays a memorable kind of, like, tertiary character. Um, and 
<laughs> so he mentioned those two, and then he mentioned the Collector from Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Infinity War and everything. And so he was saying, um, <coughs> do you, like, how do these, any of these characters, how, how are they similar to the other ones? Um, like, what, you know, what do you do to get all these different roles that are so different from each other? Um, but to go back to Exodus Baggage, um, that was one where it's like, it's also very different because he is a criminal who gets roped into uh, this scheme that Alicia Silverstone has where I, I she's trying how to she fake, gets She's trying to fake that. her own kidnapping. Yeah. She, she locks herself in the trunk of her own car and Benicio del Toro steals it. Right. So he's just a car thief and did not want to get into getting in trouble for right. kidnapping and ends up with this attractive damaged girl yeah. who is trying to avoid so her So it's father. like one of these the 90s offbeat road oh, comedies. Oh, and, and Christopher Walken as her quote-unquote uncle yeah. comes to save her. It's, right. a, it's a fantastic movie and you should totally see it. Yeah, so ever since then we've had this torrid love affair with Vinicius over Torrid. Yes, because he was and amazing and hilarious. And so it's, it's cool to me that um, since I had I wasn't aware of those other movies on his uh, IMDb, um, it's cool to me that now it seems like he's the forefront of this franchise. And spoiler alert, it seems like it might be a franchise now. Right. Um, I'm hoping so because that was <laughs> that ending was totally a lead up to a please can we have a third movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, but so like to say that it's such a it's such a collaborative medium that. It's hard to tell when you get somebody like there might be a director, and now in this age of people like J.J. Abrams and Christopher Nolan and stuff like that, that have people go see their movies for them. I mean, like Shyamalan, that kind of thing. He might have been towards the beginning of that. Um, you're not sure whether this is just a fluke that they had one good movie, and then because like, for example, there's a director that did. Um, Oh, I forget what he did. Uh, he did Popeye. <laughs> we had to uh, pause the podcast a little bit because our bird was having a conniption. Um, <laughs> so in that in that interim, Robert Altman directed Popeye, and he also did the MASH movie, which oh. resulted in the television show, and then uh, Gosford Park, which is apparently something other people think is good. I've never seen it. <laughs> Um, I don't like, know who those people are, but it's hard to judge somebody's movies just based on like there's this name attached. So the fact that he's had so many great movies kind of hints that his writing has something it's, to do with yeah. it. Um, and like so that the character play is is a big part of it. Um, and I think that the um, the fact that he deals with these big themes in a very, in a dynamic way, um, cause it, 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 it is some, somewhat bothersome that they all kind of touch on problems with indigenous people and Benicio del Toro is the first one getting like the big role. Um, and it's, it, but at the same time, it is interesting to see someone back into that as someone that is detached from those things, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of do want that character that is ignorant as the American audience would probably be as to how these things work. And so you get information about how Black Ops works and how, um, with Wind River, how 
the um, because that's that's very similar to Sicario in that it's a uh, federal agent who is being asked to investigate something in on the reserve that oh. happens, and so uh, there is a um, tracker who happens to be like know the person that was killed, and so he's roped into investigating like. He's, like, kind of babysitting her because she doesn't know her way around. And, um, you know, they're having those characters that can introduce you to these larger things uh, while also having, you know, indigenous people that are, uh, or at least, the, you know, the um, with American Indians, they're indigenous. Um, those kind of, you know, and with Mexico, the ideas of how it is and... Uh, this developing country that's our neighbor um, you know it, it authentically deals with those problems and so I can't give it much flack as a millennial who <laughs> like you know would like to see more characters because it's 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 a difficult thing to to um, introduce these problems and um, not make it seem like you know, especially in this last one, like Josh Brolin is the white guy that's going to come and clean up right. this mess that's caused by all these other people. Um, you know, but to, to, to finish my gushing rant, <laughs> I really like how he handles violence and how he seems to um, deal with uh, these kind of really complex issues um, in a way that's dramatically satisfying and in so many different movies. Um, so is, there, is there anything that I haven't talked about? <laughs> um, I was going to mention, I think Hell or High Water is a slight, not not quite like the others. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't seen Wind River, so I don't know exactly, but that sounds more like the way Sicario was, where it's like outsider Americans going into a different culture to deal with mm-hmm. what they perceive as their problem to deal with, yeah. right. and it turning into more than... <laughs> their problem to deal with mm-hmm. something huge and scary that they shouldn't have gotten involved right. in. Um, Hell or High Water is more of a... I think it's a little more lighthearted than the other ones mm. and a little more straight adventure. Right. But it is still very realistic and it's still very... Um, not necessarily about violence as much, mm. but very much about this is why this crime is happening. Right. This uh-huh. is what breeds these kinds of criminals. This is why these kinds of criminals do what they do. Right. Um, in, in a very realistic way, not in a glorifying way necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's, that goes back to, like, so, so violence has dramatic weight, but also you see the consequences of people's actions. Yeah. So that there's nothing that seems like, well, violence is just a way of life. It's just something that some people have to do. You know, you you get that some people do this, and that there's reasons why they do it. But then, because you, you get see to the, know, you see the reactions of people because of them. It's not just oh, we're going to shoot up this car and leave. It's mm-hmm. we're going to shoot up this car and show you exactly how freaked out everybody is by that, and what that affects mm-hmm. in right. the location that it happens, and all of that. Right. So I think I think that the cause and effect is um, visceral. We get the you know the directors that he's been paired with uh, have all seemed to be been really good at capturing the uh, different action and and that's another thing is that the um, action scenes are tense but um, 
they're they're done very well in in such a way as to not make it seem like this is a set piece. Right. It doesn't build like an actual movie at all. It was actually one of the things. The reason I was talking about earlier how we like Sicario two better than the first one is I think the pacing was better. Mm-hmm. I mean the story was still really good in the first one, but the pacing was a lot slower mm-hmm. than this one. This one was paced more more like an action movie, but still not quite the same way. It's not the same sort of, you know, build to this final conflict, and it's not these, like, how many good chase scenes can we throw in here, and it's just there for excitement and whatever. This was, it's a drama that happens to have heavy points of action and and, um, violence in it. Like, the violence isn't there for the excitement part. The, The excitement part is the crazy drama of what's going on with these characters. Right. And I think we're I think we're using drama because there's suspense involved. Yes. But because action usually is oriented around this person is good, this person is bad, which one's going to win? It, this one is there's these all these characters and we understand what they want and we might not and they're agree all about with to everything that they crash together in one big mess we yeah. want to see who comes out at the end of this okay yeah because in the in the most recent one uh, we continue with um, the Sicario character from the first one Benicio del Toro and how he's called in uh, in this kind of like it's kind of like excess baggage in a way because there's a fake kidnapping um, but it's to incite this drug dealer to kind of come out um, to, to incite the drug dealers to fight each other. Right, right. Yeah, They're trying to frame one of the other drug lords with the kidnapping. Right. So um, it's kind of funny because even the little girl, I was kind of like, is she going to get herself killed? Because right. her attitude in the beginning was just like, I know because she gets in this fight and she's called in the principal's right. office. She's like, I know because this is my father. No one's ever going to do anything to me. Right. And then she's like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was I was happy. So there were so many things about this new one that I was happy with. I mean, uh-huh. not that I didn't like the other ones too, but if we're specifically talking about this one, mm-hmm. the characterization of most of the people in this movie was amazing. It wasn't, none of it was ever straight black and white. Right. None of it was ever, oh, that's a good guy and this is a bad guy. Because that chick had problems. <laughs> and you knew she had problems from the beginning. There was the the young boy, not the young boy, the whatever he was, teenager? I don't teenager, know, yeah. Character that at first you're just kind of like, oh, he's trying to, you know, make something of himself or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's going about it in a horrible way and you're thinking, how are they going to get him out of this crowd? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But nothing really ever goes like, it's not the most expected, you know, yeah, cliched it's, it's, kind of route. Mm-hmm. It's not um, Benicio del Toro is going to swoop in and make everything fine because right. that's not what he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, even the the soldier, the American guy, mm-hmm. surprised me at the end mm-hmm. with what he finally decided to do. Right. And I think it it earned that because yeah, like yeah, not surprising is in oh that wasn't that didn't fit. Surprising is in. I didn't think he would do it, mm-hmm. but it fits, it's, you know, it still was earned, mm-hmm. it, it flowed well, it wasn't right. like, it was unexpected, not right. like a twist. And I, and I think one, one difficulty as we record is that we want you to just watch all these movies. Yes, <laughs> go watch the movie. We don't want to really necessarily spoil everything, but um, he uh, has a good handle on, um, he's not trying to make 
John Wayne movies. <laughs> He's not trying to, um, like, for an example of uh, a narratively unsatisfying uh, Western, No Country for Old Men <sighs> is kind of like a modern thing that has, and that had a very specific bad guy, and maybe not a good guy, but somebody that you sympathize with. Also, Josh Brolin's in that. Um, but it, his his things are very... Um, well, because it's a bit... That was based on a Cormac McCarthy book. And he kind of plays in the same sandbox, uh, I would say, as what... Um, as a novelist, as what um, Taylor Sheridan does in the movies, where it's kind of trying to show how, how bad it is in the West. And... Um, he, he just goes about it in a way that does not... It's not as streamlined as what uh, Taylor Sheridan's doing. Like, you get... Um, and part of that, I think, is because if you if you watch the adaptation No, no Country Rule Men, it's not getting into all the thematic things that Cormac McCarthy writes about. Like, he... The, the, the bad guy in that is able to explain what he... why he does what he does... And, um, in the movie, it just seems like a, like a, 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 a sick Joker character that wins, <laughs> kind of. Right. And so it's like, you, you don't really, um, you know, it, it doesn't execute on all the levels that you, um, you know, that it might need to in order to reach an audience in the way that the book does. Right. Um, Did so, you read the book? I, yeah, I read the book oh. in college, actually. Um, for English composition, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, I I think that this guy's going places. <laughs> if that hasn't been this guy's already been places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well, well, really quick. He's producing a show called The Yellowstone, which oh. is unfortunate yeah. <laughs> because. It, but what, he didn't write it. He's just producing. It. I, well, let, let, let me... I, I should have included that, but I didn't... Uh, we have show notes right now and, and that are that are shared, um, but I didn't I didn't put that on there. But, yeah, I... I, um, I I'll say that, like, in any show, really, like, because I always use the example of um, Lost, because people, whether... The, if they like Lost, they give J.J. Abrams all the credit. They hate it. They give him all the... Right. Like... They blame him for everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I think that this is just something that is not... Uh, well, it's not hitting the high watermark that his movies have. Um, and we both kind of agree that one of those things is because um, he uh, Yellowstone is kind of like a Western Game of Thrones if you didn't like anybody on the show. <laughs> like, the people in Game of Thrones are such that they're, they're complex enough that there are moments where you but just you like, do like some, some of, of the people that you're supposed to be sympathetic to. So, you know, and and I think the same we would say it goes for Taylor Sheridan's uh, movies. Yes. Um, but there there were just people that they they kept like having like these. I didn't relate to them at all. Like yeah. his other in the movies, there are people I relate to. Like there are people that I understand and that I sympathize with. I didn't feel that at all in the show like I thought maybe Kevin Costner's character I would but it fell flat really fast and 
none of the other characters were... None of them were acting intelligently. None of them were acting in ways that I understood. And then when the Yellowstone group showed up, I still didn't quite understand what their purpose was, you know? Or... or and, and then there's the whole scene at the end where everything breaks down and we had no idea what was happening except that there were a bunch of people in cloudy areas chasing cows. Like, I really have no idea what happened at the end of that yeah. show. Yeah, it was... it was So, like, the one thing that is executed well in the movies is things aren't really spoon-fed to you. you it, Which is fine, because he doesn't do that in the movies either. That's what I'm saying. In the movies, it's, um, it's told to you in a sequence that increases the drama... And that, that's one thing that having exposition that's out of place in your script ruins. Because if you expl- if you spoon-feed everything to somebody, then they have this feeling of ease. Like, I understand what's going on. If you give them things to them little by little, like there's an interrogation scene, and there's all these uh, water bottles, and then so you and we saw that in the first movie... So you think, oh, Benicio del Toro is going to come in here and right. waterboard the guy. But then he says, oh, I'm not going to, what do you think, I'm going to waterboard you? It's like, we do and then there's the all this stuff <laughs> yeah. until you get to what he's actually going to do to him right. if he doesn't listen. So, and then uh, the, the way that, yeah, the way that things are explained are such that the person um, who has that institutional knowledge should know nothing's like explained to somebody that, you know, and so that's what I'm saying is the benefit of having one character that's out of the loop. Right, because they have to be filled in on things. Right. So this character is a bunch of people that care a lot about cows. <laughs> and <laughs> they, they... It's all about cattle ranching in, where are they? Texas? Wyoming? I don't even know what state they were in. Well, I forget. Colorado? Where, Somewhere where over there. Well, I'm assuming it's in Yellowstone. Oh, so then... Either Wyoming or Idaho or somewhere up there. Yeah. I don't think Yellowstone's in Colorado. See how much we know, right? (laughs) But what we do know is that there was a scene earlier on that, well, it's like, there was a scene later that we didn't understand. I'll give them the the fact that we stopped watching after. Right, after. But there was a scene near the beginning where there are all these cows and the one guy's upset. And I'm like, why are you upset? And he doesn't tell the guy. No. He's just like what are those cows doing? And then he explains that, um, that the, that it has something to do with the chief who's trying to consolidate power. And I'm like, did he re- just release the cows? Right. Like, How does I, he gain anything from They didn't explain enough of the politics and Well, it's a visual details. medium. So sh- if they're trying to get to steal the cows, show somebody stealing the right. cows. Like, they just have them talking. That's, even, even if they didn't talk. Like, they, they didn't either then, buy exposition scene, or... They seemed real buddy-buddy, but then later on that guy turns on him. Right. It, and it's like, none like, of it made any sense to me. Does he not me. like him? Like, all of this in contrast with Longmire, where you knew exactly what was going on mm-hmm. from the beginning. Which, so if you want to watch a thing about Wild West slash Native Americans, slash, there's no cows, really, but there's... <laughs> it's really good. Watch Longmire. Forget Wyoming or whatever. This <laughs> Yellowstone. Forget Yellowstone. Forget Yellowstone or wherever it is <laughs> in the United States. All right. Well, and hope yeah. that ta- did you find out who wrote it? Well, it's it's weird in the app. It doesn't. You oh, click it doesn't show. who wrote it, and then takes you to the show, oh. and then you click 
uh, who's the writer of the show, and then takes you to their profile, and it's like a oh. feedback loop. It's okay. like when Windows introduced the start button again, but then oh, the start yeah. button took you to the wonky menu that nobody liked. The Windows 10 nonsense? Yeah. Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So we don't know who wrote it, but we're hoping it's not Taylor Sheridan, because well, we like, like him, and he seems to be doing really good movies. It seems like there's a co-creator. Oh, okay. So we're, I'm not going to put you on blast, whoever you are, but... <laughs> I, I I don't know if there's other outside influences that are corrupting the the storytelling the, ability. The precious bulb <laughs> that Taylor Sheridan had produced. Um, because I could see, like, in his defense, I could see how getting a show for HBO would be something you're just like, cool, I can do what I've been doing in the movies, and then maybe, hopefully, 15 years from now, in his memoir, he's like, Stupid HBO executives will let me do right. what I wanted to do. Or could it be like he's got a bunch of writers working on it, or maybe he's trying to draw it out more since it's a show and it would be uh-huh. make more sense later. I don't know, but yeah. unfortunately, I'm We're trying not to give him all the credit enough. in the world because we don't know how you write four amazing movies and yeah, and then write that in a horrible TV show. Um, but uh, yeah, that's Taylor Sheridan. Go watch everything he's ever done, um, and then. When you have more time, go to Danny Valdez's movies. Yes. The first uh, director that did Sicario, and then he directed Arrival, Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. Which is Which hopefully awesome. we'll talk about uh, three weeks from now. Yes. Because we've been wanting to do a Blade Runner episode um, because Melissa read uh, Do Android Dream, Android's Dream of Electric Cheap. Yes. And I'm listening to that now. Uh, but if you want to write in about uh, any of these movies because you like them as much as we do, or you're one of those weirdos that don't like them, um, you feel can... free to argue with us. We are ready. I am ready to argue. Maybe not John. <laughs> well, fight I have you. been argumentative all weekend. So, <laughs> um, unboxing story, story podcast at gmail.com If you want to write in, we're also going to be discussing uh, gender roles in Ant Man because people on Twitter are being babies about that. <laughs> um, but then the next week is going to be, um, we're going to talk about Slice of Life comics, um, maybe with a dose of magical realism in it, because uh, Melissa's reading Marvel, it's one of my favorite graphic novels that um, Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross did, and uh, I'm reading After Death by um, Scott Sander and Jeff Lemire, so we'll be getting into that, and then uh, And we're going to watch for the... For the podcast I can't name. What's it called again? We have a Patreon-only uh, supplementary podcast called the Random... Random? Media. Media? Media. Media. I can't even say it. Random Media Minicast. Yeah. Okay. And on that one, we're going to be discussing War for the Planet of the Apes. Yes. So that will be up uh, in... Next week. Because we're not doing one this week. Yes. Though technically I'm going to try and talk you into on the 4th of July actually doing the Girls Just Want to Have Fun one that we haven't done yet. And that's all the time. We... <laughs> I keep pretending like we're never going to do that. We will do that eventually. He owes it, me. It wasn't the worst movie in the world. It was not the I can't, worst movie I in the world. I can't admit that. <laughs> oh, it's going to be painful, Misha. <laughs> That's the point. You made me watch Pride and Prejudice and Jump and Zombies, John. I don't want to hear nothing from you. 
All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Good night. <laughs>